Byron, Mississippi, it's Lakeshore Church. Jesus said it is finished. What was he talking about? And uh, we're going to attempt to do that and then make a parallel for, for our lives as well. All right, John chapter 19. If you're able, will you stand with us and honor God's word? Three verses, and after we read these, we'll pray and you can be seated. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there so that they mixed a, sp a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Let's pray together. We, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity today to continue to do what you've called us to do. And Lord, in this gathering, in this hour, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to every one of us about what it is in our life from redemption on down. I thank you and I praise you that we have hope. We have hope in many and all areas of our life. And I give you praise and glory in, in, in advance for what you will do in our time together. And God will be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it. We ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you. This is the last one. Uh, let me go ahead and tell you, next week we're going to start a look for several weeks at uh, what we've entitled, it's a Genesis issue. And um, it, it's going uh, to be a pretty straightforward look at some of the issues that we have, both in our society and also spiritually, that started way back in Genesis. You say, well, what's the importance of that? I, if you don't know where something started, I don't think you can deal with it adequately in your life. And uh, we're going to do that. And of course, next week we're going to start with it in the beginning, God. <laughs> Um, we have a lot of things today that are, are, are predicated that we need to understand that there is a God. And if there's a God, then he's in control and we're going to give an account to him. And then it begins to balance our life. So uh, that's next week and over the following weeks. But just to uh, let you know that. Today we're, we're, we're putting to bed, if you will, the last strange but strong saying. Uh, what Jesus said, his last words in his body, in his human body before he passed away. Uh, Jesus said these words, it is finished. For Jesus, what was his it? We will attempt to define that in the next few minutes, but also make a parallel that every one of us have it's in our life. And Jesus also brought the victory for those things. If you go through the word of God, you find out that in whatever we face, God has prepared for us a way for us to deal with it and be victorious in those areas. Some might even say, Brother Jay, I'm not following you. All right. And so what I, what I mean is this. Every one of us, from time to time in our life, deal with situations that dog us. Amen? They just, it seems like, for lack of a better word, they own us. Maybe there's times you have a daunting task in your life. Uh, I remember in studying, there was a man, and I wouldn't dare uh, put out name, but there was a fellow I met years ago that changed careers because of how much responsibility that he had in his career. I mean, literally, he radically changed because of the, the, the daunting responsibility that he had. And, and maybe you face that. Maybe your career has changed. Maybe there's more responsibility. Maybe there's, it's bigger than you. And, and we all live there. Hmm. Also think about devastating issues. I think within our church, you heard the news and, and uh, we put it out that a family in our church had a, a devastating loss. Uh, a mom in our church, grandmother in our church, grandparents in our church lost a, lost a loved one. Uh, tragically, tragically. And, and we're walking through that now. And they are as well. And then there's one more that came to mind with me. We have things that that distinctively are passed to us. There are things that, for whatever reason, we just it just ends up being who we are. The, the family we're part of and who we're kin to, and it just seems like, if you've ever asked that question, I didn't ask for this. You ever done that? I didn't ask for this. And so there's those kind of things too. The reason I give you that is we all have it. 
We all have those things. And then I started thinking about Bible characters. This didn't take me a long time in research. These are just names that came to mind. But I want to share them with you, and and I'm going to go quick. But Abraham had an it in his life. God told him that he was going to be a father of many generations, and his his lineage was going to be like the sand on the sea and the stars in the sky, and he didn't even have a child. So he didn't even have an heir. There was a problem with the promise. You, You follow me? Moses had a speech impediment. Jonah was undoubtedly had a past with the Ninevites. We don't know what it was, but he hated the people of Nineveh. The last thing he wanted to do was go to Nineveh and do what God called him to do. You know, the whole story with the great fish and all that stuff. And then when they repented and put on sackcloths and ashes, Jonah was mad about it. Never thought there'd be people get mad about revival, but they got mad. He wanted God to strike them down. He didn't want them to be redeemed. <laughs> I mean, go, go figure that. Joseph was hated by his family. The Samaritan woman had, was married five times. I did tell somebody one time that I'd been married five times. I think I'd be shacking up with the sixth one, but that's another sermon. Did he say that? He said it. Samson was a womanizer. Peter denied Christ. Thomas doubted the Lord. Martha was consumed with what was fair. Why don't you tell Mary to get off her knees and quit worshiping you and looking at you and come in here and wash the dishes with me? (laughs) Elijah was suicidal because of Jezebel after him. Gideon was afraid of the leadership that God had placed on him to lead the army of the Lord. Jacob was a cheater. We we think about it. We serve today. Listen to this. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. Jacob was a cheater. He stole Esau's birthright. Isn't it amazing? Aren't you glad God doesn't throw the clay away? (laughs) My man. David was a murderer and adulterer when it came to Bathsheba. See, well, he was. It's amazing. But yet it says he's a man after God's own heart. (laughs) Naomi was a widow. Paul, the last one I want to share with you, was the least of the apostles. He persecuted Christians. You know, I've decided that everybody has an it in their life from time to time. Maybe it's something that was handed down to you through your, through your, uh, your lineage. Maybe it's something that just happens in a matter of a moment, and your life has changed forever. Hmm. Can, you, can you hear Jesus say to you, whatever that it is in your life, that it's finished? Oh, he went to great lengths. Jesus was victorious over his it, by the way. He was victorious. He carried it all the way to the grave and then the resurrection, and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he's waiting to come back for us. And we have the hope of redemption today. Amen? He was victorious over his, and you know what? He helps us with ours. So I want to share with you what it is. What, what is it? When we think about this deal with the Lord, and, and we'll bring it back to each one of our lives in a few minutes. But, but I've come up with three aspects of it that I hope catches the totality of it. And when I think about what it is, and I remember thinking this in ministry. I remember thinking this in childhood. What is the world? What did that mean when Jesus said it is finished? We don't have any, we don't have any interpretation of that. There's not a verse that says when Jesus dies on the cross, it will be this. There's not a verse. But in totality, I believe we can extract it out today of what he was talking about. And I want to attempt to do it this way. Number one is this. When I think what it is or what is it, first it's the mission. It was the mission of the Messiah, if you will. It was the reason that Jesus came to this earth. I don't know if you've heard this before, but, but Jesus had three missions that really encompassed in this. You ever heard somebody talk about prophet, priest, and king? And there's, sometimes we hear that in the Christmas season, that, that there were three missions that Jesus had. And, and, and one was to be a prophet, secondly, to be priest, and thirdly, to be king. And when I think of those three missions, breaking them out and sharing them with you today, Jesus was prophet. And if you go to the very, very basic understanding of what it means to be a prophet, it's sort of like what I'm doing today. It is, it is voice. It is message and, and coming with a message. And Jesus did that. 
He even, he even one time named himself as a prophet when he said this about his family. In Luke chapter 4, verse 24, he said this. He also said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And you can go research that out. But he called himself a prophet. He was the voice. He was the change. Secondly, he was priest. Now, I love this now. I really do. I, I don't know if you understand how the, the concepts of, of the high priest with the, with the Hebrews and then with the Jewish nation the, the, the high priest, the high priest would go in and he would make sacrifice. And the reason those would take place is God was looking at the high priest as representing the people to him. But when the high priest would come out of the Holy of Holies and when the, guy, the high priest was doing his everyday duties, he was representing God to the people. And you know what's unique is Jesus has become our high priest we have that in the New Testament. I hope that, that you understand it. I'm going to show it to you. In Hebrews chapter 4, it captures that for us. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, and then it tells us who he is, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Now, remember this. Now, what we're establishing for you is Jesus is now becoming our, he's our mediator between us and the Father. Watch this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive great mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He became, Jesus became our high priest. What does that mean, Brother Jay? You still lost me. He became our mediator. He stands between God, the Father, and me. See, my hope today, because of the wrath of God that was put on Jesus when he died on the cross, is you and I have a hope today in him because he became our high priest. Isn't that good stuff? That really is. Is that now what happens is when God looks at me, he looks at me through Jesus Christ. That's my only hope. <laughs> and your only hope. All right? But watch this. We also, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. Didn't Jesus say that? When you see me, what, who do you say you see? You see the Father. And today he's, he's seated at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for you and me. Do you get it? He is, he is all of them, prophet, priest, and king. The mission, he came, those were and are his mission for us today to have the hope of being reconciled with God because he's prophet, priest, and king. Secondly, what is it? When you think about IT, it, he's got to deal with the mistake. Jesus' job, if you will, when he came to this earth was fixing the mess of man. <laughs> the mess. Now, we don't like that. Sometimes we like to think of ourselves as having it all together. But I want to tell you something. We're a hot mess. Without Jesus Christ, we're in the mess. And we have no hope. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people, because all sinned. We live in a world today where people say, well, like, that, that whole thing is frivolous. I don't understand it. That whole thing is frivolous. Because if God's a God of love, then why is there death? Why is God letting people die if he loves people? Well, you got to go back to this verse. Death came about because of sin, not because of God. God made a perfect garden and put a perfect man in the garden of free will and choice. We've already established that in, in, in earlier sermons. That we don't have anything, folks, if we don't have choice. Do you follow me? Somebody say, oh, well, so-and-so loves me. Well, that's choice that they love you. When we do the right thing, it's a choice that we make. And God built it into us to, to, of, of choice and free will. Man messed it up. And when man sinned in the garden, watch this now, not only was it sin born, but death was born out of that. 
in that we all die. And see, don't be guilty that you put that on God because it's not put on God. The mess was made by man, not God. Remember the passage, not only did Adam and thus Eve sin, but that sin has been passed down to all of us, the last part of that verse, because all sinned. The mistake, he came to fix it. I put it down this way. It started in the garden, but it didn't stay in the garden. There's not a person here that can have a problem with Adam because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that sin within us, we have to deal with that. And you know, one other thing, I think it didn't stay in the garden. You know, it, it, it always gets bigger. I thought about, I recollected the amount of times as a pastor, somebody trusted me to tell their story. And I can remember people saying things like this to me, if I'd have known then what I know now, I never would have started it. Don't you know sin always gets bigger? It, it never stays in the garden. It never stays in its beginning. It always has an ending to it. And it always costs us more at the end than the beginning. It's a mistake. It's the mistake of mankind. It was, it was the lie of Lucifer that if you'll do this, you'll be like God. And there were some of the truth that he was telling because their eyes were open. And we'll deal with all that in the Genesis issue series. But understand this. Sin never stays. It always gets bigger. The wonderful news and reining this back in is Jesus came to fix it. See, it's not this, oh, Lord, this is just terrible. It's a terrible sermon. We're all doomed. We've all got these problems. The, 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 the great news is this. Jesus came to deal with it, whatever it is in our life. He came to deal with it. Wow, that's the great news. And then there's one more. What is it? It's also the message. The message is God is love. That's a great reminder. The message is God is good and God is great. But while the enemy today desires to isolate and eliminate us and, and, and see things in the negative, God's come today to, bring, to his desires to bring us close to him. It's some things we don't like. Somehow we think we just keep on going and nothing changes. But in Isaiah 59, we're reminded, and it shows us, indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save and his ear is not too deaf to hear. That's a great promise, isn't it? Watch this. But, but your iniquities are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. I'm not going to just talk about my family. Let's talk about every one of us. When you have a breach, when there's a problem between you and someone else, you're not listening to them. All you're thinking about is what they did to you. <laughs> they can say some of the greatest things that's ever been said on the face of the earth, but if there's a problem between you and them, all you're thinking about is what they did. And I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Somebody that's fallen, let's say a, a great preacher, okay? You're talking about a preacher out there from yesteryear that's fallen, and there's names that come to mind. The next time you see him out there preaching, what's the first thing you, look, you think about when he comes on the TV? You think about all that stuff that happened way back yonder, right? Am I telling a lie? Am I telling the truth? It's the truth, isn't it? It's the same thing in our everyday life. If there's a breach between someone, if there's something that's been unresolved in our heart, that's the thing that the enemy brings up. I don't care what they're saying to you. And see, we've got to be reminded that the message is, if we're not what we need to be with God, we need to get that thing right. We need to get it right to be in right standing with God. God can hear and he can listen, but he doesn't bypass and keep on going. He knows it. <laughs> and let me tell you this. I love this, is that you need to get it. it don't, don't beat yourself up. In the next few minutes, I'm going to encourage you to deal with it in your life. You don't have to make one up. God doesn't leave us in the dark. He doesn't. Let me show you something. Romans chapter 3, 23. I'll show you this. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen? I want to show you something. And I use this verse, have quoted it hundreds of times, but the verse is not ended. It has a semicolon. You see it? So there's a, it's a continuing thought. And I want to show you the next thought. Verse number 24. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
Not because they're American, not because they're churchgoers, not because they're a part of Lakeshore Church, not because they're good people, not because of what family they came from, not how good they are to their neighbor. We are redeemed today in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's the only way to make be redeemed. Amen? Y'all still with me? We're doing all right till a few minutes ago. Don't miss the message today that God is the redeemer and reconciler of humanity. And that's my encouragement to you today to remember this. Now, one more transition. How do we deal with it spiritually? How, how do you, if, if you have a matter in your life, and I want to go through a big list, talk about relationally or financially or, or whatever, job-wise or physically or whatever. You, you have responsibilities that overwhelm you, whatever. How do you deal with it? What if you have a vice? What if you have a habit? What if, what if you have a past that the enemy always wants to bring up? Hmm. How do you deal with it? And I want to help you. I want to give you some application today. All right, first, you've got to recognize that you do have one. Let me tell you something. We're not as bad as we think we are, and we're not as good as we think we are. Sometimes we need that reminder. But we've got to recognize it. Hmm. God never, as I said a minute ago, God never leaves us in the dark. He doesn't. What I know about my life is this. God doesn't leave me in the dark. If I've been a dummy... If I've done something wrong in my life, if I'm not doing the right thing, God doesn't leave me in the dark. If I have my prayer time, I have my time. If I'm sitting in a church service like you or I'm taking it in through social media or some platform or TV, God doesn't leave me in the dark. It's amazing a preacher on the other side of the earth that I love to listen to can speak it into my life because God's word never returns void. It's amazing. God doesn't leave you in the dark. And today I would tell you, if you don't have an it, I want to applaud that you're doing great. And I'm an optimist. I'm not going to tell you that it's coming for you if you're in a good place today. I had a guy one time, I was telling him how blessed I was. Man, it's just great. I'm on the mountain and God's presence is so real. And he said, be careful, Pastor, because right after that mountain comes those deep valleys. And I said, man, you won't even let me enjoy the, va- the mountains. You're telling me the next valley that's coming. <laughs> you got to recognize that there's it in your life. I will tell you something I want to highlight. What happened to conviction? What happened to conviction in modern Christianity? We make a choice here to have the altars. You'll be invited to them in just a few minutes. Whatever happened to conviction? Have we gotten so good that everything's okay with God? Is everything okay? What comes out of my mouth, whatever it is, whether it's righteous or unrighteous, it's okay. God understands. God's my Father, and He loves me. Is that true, or what does the Word say? What about an attitude or an action in my life? Whatever happened to conviction? I still believe God convicts. I still believe God reveals to us the it in our life and expects us to deal with it. you got to recognize it, okay? Secondly, <laughs> you got to relinquish it. There's action required to deal with it in your life. The one thing that I see over and over in Scripture was the action that was asked of them when they realized what was going on. It's amazing. you got to trust and you got to give it to Him. You hear, me, you hear me say this verse often, but it's found, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, says, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. If I said about the altar, what is the, what is the, what is the altar? A great word picture, is it's an unloading dock, <laughs> right? Not a loading dock, it's an unloading dock where I bring up all of my cares and I unload them on him. Peter said it well reminding us that what, that's what God wants us to do. Remember, we've already established he's our prophet, priest, and king. We don't have anybody else if it's not him. Hmm. Give you one more. Not only do we recognize and relinquish it, but you've got to rely on him. 
Here's a great prayer that you can pray today if you need to. Lord, I can't do it by myself. What a great prayer. Quickly today, I want to remind you of the story. I got pretty emotional the first gathering. I don't know if I will, but I really did. Remember the story with Peter walking on the water? You remember there's a great, great miracles have been happening, and it says Jesus pushed them out into the water. And I was there on the side of the Sea of Galilee. I saw this, and he pushed them out. And, and you know, people would say, that doesn't sound like God at all. You mean Jesus would push me into a problem? He would push me into a situation of life that I'm not going to like? He's going to push me out into something that's going to scare the living daylights out of me? That's in there. Jesus knew what was coming. He went off by himself, and the disciples go out into the water, and a great storm comes up. Now, what I love about this, a lot of those guys in the boat were fishermen. They'd been on the Sea of Galilee. None of that bothered them. A a storm coming up was part of their nature, everyday life. They were doing just fine until they looked off across in the night, and maybe the thunder and the lightning they show, and all of a sudden, there's a person. There's a ghost. (laughs) The Greek word is phantos. That's where we get the word phantom from. A haint is coming for those guys in the boat, and it scared, scared the living daylights out of them. <laughs> Jesus said, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. It's me. Peter all of a sudden realizes that, hey, this is pretty good stuff here. Jesus is walking on the water. Never done that before. Hmm. And Peter says to the Lord, Lord, can I get me some of that? That's an Jay's loosely translated version. Can, can I get me some? I'd like to do this, Lord. You know what Jesus said? Come on and get you some. Hmm? Quit living in the boat. You follow me? How many people just live in the boat? Hmm. And God's got more for them. But we're too scared. I've been waiting for somebody to come out here with me. He goes out. The translation of the Christian standard, I love it. It says a little different than the other. It says when Peter, he was doing just fine walking to the Lord, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he began to sink. You know what's amazing? He saw something that you can't see. I wonder how many people today that it is on in their life, and it's not even tangible. We have made it more than it was ever supposed to be. Peter saw the wind. And he, lo- he lost it. Took his eyes off the one that you should never take your eyes off. And Jay needs to hear this as much as you. And we allow it to become more than Christ in our life. And we begin to sink. Aren't you glad God didn't leave us there? Aren't you glad the story doesn't read? Well, he let him paddle around a while. He let him almost drown. He let him get really wet. Sopping wet. No says immediately, Peter said, whatever one of us need to say today is save me. Hmm. I'm going to heaven today because God has saved me. Hmm. The it's, I have the hope today of dealing with whatever it is in my life because he can save me. And it says immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and they went back to the boat together. You know, I know about that that's not said. They weren't swimming either. What are we telling you? The strength of the wind. The reliance that we have on the Lord. I wrote it down just for you to see it. You need to, we need to keep our eyes on Him and not the wind. I wonder how many people in the sound of my voice, the last day of the year, what's really going on in your life right now? And, and I have a lot of different levels of people. 
I got some people that we're dealing with now that their world has wrecked the last couple of days. We know what that's like a couple of years ago. I know what it's like for your world to go upside down. I know what it's like for the phone to ring and all of a sudden your life has changed forever. So I speak from that. But also speak from the things that we think are no big deal. And, and we think, well, mine's not like Brother Jay and I don't have any big testimony like that. So, but it doesn't matter what it is. And right now, if God speaks to your heart about it, it doesn't matter how small and insignificant that you have played it in your mind as, God sees the end of it. And today it starts off a little small thing, and before long it owns you. Because we didn't deal with it in the right context in the right time chronologically in our life. So here's where we are. It's really good. We need to keep our eyes on him and not the wind. <laughs> we got a great way we're going to end today. You might have noticed we didn't have a prayer time because we're fixing to have a prayer time. On purpose. But I want to give you opportunity to deal with your it. Hmm? Guys, get ready. Come on, Miss Amanda. What is your it? I want you to, I want you to just think about it. I could go around this room and, and tell dozens of people what their it is. I wouldn't dare hurt anybody. But folks, as we embark on a new year, we, we, need, a, we need a fresh touch from God. The lyrics of the song you're going to hear, part of it that captures my heart is that we need revival. We need to quit excusing things in the grace and the love of God and deal with it in our life. I far too many times, I think we think God understands and he doesn't. God went to great lengths to redeem us. Amen? And he went to great lengths to deal with every it in our life. I have mine. You have yours. The enemy knows where to hang out in our life. But he's defeated. Amen? Everybody in the house said, amen. But you know what you got to do? You got to recognize it, that that thing's been owning you. That thing has a place, maybe not ownership, but that thing has a place in your life that's not right. And you've got to relinquish it. We're going to give you an opportunity to bring that it to the Lord. <laughs> and you've got to rely on Him. How long has it been? Have we gotten used to the convicting power of God? Have we gotten used to when God knocks on the door of our heart and says, I want to do something in your life? We've gotten real good at telling Him no. You say, Brother Jay, that's so fictitious. That's just fictional. No, no, no. I've probably met about five or six people in ministry through the years that have told me God doesn't speak to me anymore. I told God no so long. He doesn't, he doesn't, even, he doesn't even venture in to convict me anymore. Oh, Brother Jay, I never heard that before. Well, you keep telling him no. You get harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. How long has it been? Hmm? You don't have an it. You don't have something where the, the enemy dangles in front of your life and, and keeps you from being totally surrendered to him. We have something that we've just okayed, that God's okay with it. I can't do any better. I enjoy it, and God's okay with it. But there's not one verse of Scripture that validates that. And we wonder why we don't have a move of God. Hmm. I told uh, a lady that I met that's visiting with us today. I said, uh, she's here in this service. <laughs> she's in both services. And I said, you know, I never preach it the same way. What I just said the last minute or two was not in the first service. So i got to believe whatever comes to mind. I pray that every time I preach, every time I speak, God, I want my thoughts to be your thoughts. That's why, so that if a thought comes, and man, that's so far out there. So i got to believe that's for somebody. Are you tired of being dry? 
You tired of stuff running your life? You tired of it owning you? Well, I'm showing you. Jesus, his last words on the cross said, It (laughs) is finished. Quit worshiping, quit wearing, quit owning something that God says you have victory over. And uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to bring it to the Lord. Nobody's going to embarrass you. How long has it been since you've been to an altar? Huh? It's a great day. The last day of the year is a great day to come and say, Lord, I am tired of it owning me.